What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael. We've got plenty to talk about. Hoops news, soccer news. CSU Women's Soccer announces that Bill Hempen has been let go, the first and only coach in the history of the program, so that's definitely significant. I'm going to have Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan come on. We talked about all kinds of fun stuff, just the the program, you know, why things maybe didn't work out with Hempen, why it's, you know, kind of a sleeping giant, just given all of the youth talent in the state of Colorado. Uh, we dove into football a little bit, basketball. We really went over it all, so I think you guys are going to enjoy today's podcast. Before we get into all of that, though, you know, sure, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are not your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but what makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, proud DNVR members, CSU alums. You're always going to feel like a person, not a number. And when you're dealing with something as stressful as, you know, refinancing your current mortgage or or buying a new home, you just want somebody that's going to make you feel nice and comfortable. And that is Mike and Virginia Chevalier. They will make the process simple and smooth and, you know, not like a root canal because that's that's what it's really like with a lot of these other lenders out there. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. They're going to work tirelessly to find the best situation for you. You can always give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. Or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So first things first, CSU football the other day announced that they have added a 2026 game at the University of Indiana, another Big Ten opponent for CSU football. Because of that, the game against Wisconsin has been moved to 2027. So a lot of really unique trips coming up for CSU fans in the next decade or so. I did talk about that with Kevin Lytle a little bit, so I won't waste a ton of time going over it. But I will say it's It's slightly surprising to me that the Rams are still able to get these high profile games even after the lack of success. But, you know, one of the things that Kevin pointed out is CSU, it's they're a little bit safer of a scheduling option than someone like Boise State, who, you know, you you probably are going to lose to as a power five program, depending on, you know, who it is. I mean, if you're a, you know, middle of the the pack P5 program, I definitely would not want to face a, a program like Boise State. CSU, it's a game that if you're a P5 team, you probably should win. If you lose it, it's not the end of the world because they have enough respect on the program that, you know, people aren't going to look down on you or anything like that. But again, it's still pretty safe. So I guess it makes sense that and, you know, all of the relationships that Joe Parker has, you know, with the Big 12, Big 10, all of that, just given, you know, his alumni or where he's an alum and and the, the places that he's he's worked. So pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. I think it's a good opportunity for the Rams to continue to try and elevate the brand and just get those high profile games. I mean, it obviously helps from a recruiting perspective. I think especially these games like Indiana, they're they're just a great opportunity because you can actually win them. You know, it's it's not like going to 
number one Alabama where you're just praying to God that you get out of there healthy. You know, oh, I hope my linebacker doesn't get a broken rib from, you know, Derrick Henry dropping his shoulder. I hope my quarterback doesn't break his clavicle when, you know, a Christian Barrymore type comes crashing through the middle. Indiana, they're a good program. They were really good this past year, actually. I really enjoyed watching Indiana football, and that's probably the first time I could have ever said that in my entire life. They got Penix coming back. I mean, it's it's intriguing. Obviously, that won't have anything to do with the CSU game, but I just mean it's it's a high-profile opponent. It should be kind of a unique trip. Hopefully, you know, maybe a little bit more affordable than, than some of those places in the South as well. Gosh, I mean, trying to book hotel in, in Tuscaloosa on a game day weekend is damn near impossible unless you want to spend $1,000 a night or something to stay in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, for God's sakes. It's just insane, but... I think it's cool. I think it's a fun opportunity, and I'm excited to watch all these games in the coming years. You know, Texas Tech, Arizona, Iowa, Vanderbilt. Um, there's a bunch of them. Michigan, Texas. It'll be fun. Let's uh, let's move on. I'm going to just briefly kind of get into this soccer situation before I transition to that interview that I had with Kevin Lytle. Um, here's the press release from CSU itself. This was originally broken by Kevin Lytle of the Coloradoan, though. That's why I had him come on. Colorado State Director of Athletics Joe Parker announced on Thursday that the women's soccer program will have a new leader for the 2021-2022 season, as Bill Hempen, the program's first head coach, will not return. This is a quote from the AD Joe Parker. I would like to thank Bill and his assistant coaches for building, truly from the ground up, a women's soccer program here at Colorado State that we can be proud of. Starting a program from scratch is not easy, and Bill was the ideal head coach to lead that effort. I am thankful for his mentorship of our student-athletes and for his care to build the program on a solid foundation. Um, as it mentions in this release here, in his eight seasons as head coach, Hempen had a career record of 36, 85, and 20. The, the high mark was a 12-win season in 2019. He actually was named Mountain West Coach of the Year after that season. Uh, 18, 56, and 9 in Mountain West play. Seven conference wins in that 2019 campaign. But, you know, as that kind of illustrates, that means he only had 12 conference wins in his other seven years combined. Um, in total, 32 seasons as a head coach, has worked at Duke, Colorado, and Colorado State. Overall, has a winning record of 312, 273, and 64 overall. Yeah, I mean, interesting situation. Whenever you let go of a founding head coach, you know, of the 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 OG. That's a big deal. That that definitely stands out. A little bit surprised um at the timing of this it and this is, you know, something that that Kevin, you know, really dove into. Kind of feels like this has to do more with the complaints about how he runs the program. They they you know, they've they've had to look the athletic departments had to look into him and his conduct before, you know, I've kind of heard some things that he can be, you know, kind of kind of grumpy, not the not the easiest coach to play for in the world. Obviously, that kind of stuff is is subjective and it's tough because relationships are complicated, especially when it comes to coaching. I mean, you look at that Mike Bobo situation and you have so many people just being like, he's the greatest man I've ever met. I, I absolutely loved playing for him. You had other people saying he was a bully and, you know, there were some even like potentially racially insensitive type deal. And I mean, talk about being on polar opposites in terms of opinion. 
And, and you know, Larry Eustacey, another perfect example. Most people think that Larry Eustacey was wrong and that the way he coached was wrong. But to this day, there are people that will still defend Larry Eustacey to the bitter end, will say he was a great leader, he was there for them during tough times. And again, people are complicated. Relationships are complicated. But I just think that you only played seven games. It was a weird COVID year. You're coming off of 2019 before that in which you set a program record for wins. You know, kind of reading between the lines there, it seems like he was fired more so because these, you know, complaints are starting to add up or maybe it's just time for a for a for a change than necessarily for his lack of success or lack of wins, especially in 2020. To be perfectly honest, I did not spend a lot of time around the soccer program in, you know, the eight years he was there. Um, interviewed him a couple of times. He was very polite and, and enjoyable in my experience, but, you know, usually coaches are pretty good at, at putting it on for the media. So, you know, I've heard some things over the years. I've, I've heard that he had some beefs with club coaches that, you know, kind of resulted in... in CSU not recruiting the state as well as they should have. And I mean, if, if that's, you know, all 100 percent true again, you know, some of this is rumors, some of the information I trust, but I'm not I'm not trying to just unfairly criticize the guy here again. It's like a tough position. Building a program up from from the ground up is, is not easy, especially when you don't have facilities. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were playing next to the freaking lagoon like credit to them. At least they have a real, you know, playing surface now, and it's at least you know, somewhat of a legit operation, but it, it it was an uphill battle from the start. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did here. Um, I think it was probably time to move on just based on some of the things that I've heard and just based on the fact that this is a program that should probably have had more consistent success by now. There's just so much talent at the local level. You know, you gotta you gotta keep some of these people. Are you gonna keep the Sophia Smith in the world? No, you know, if you're, if you're going to be an Olympic player or, you know, if you have an opportunity to go play at Florida State or whatever, you know, you're probably going to do that. Just like, you know, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world aren't ever going to stay at CSU or CU. I get it. I'm realistic about that. I'm not saying that they should be landing all of these top players. But, you know, you, you shouldn't be losing out to middle of the road Big 12 programs or, you know, even some of these Pac-12 programs that are just consistently sniping talent out of Colorado. Yeah, keep some of them in state. I think that's going to be a big, big factor for the next coach and, and whether they have success or not is how well do they keep local talent local? You know, that's we talk about it football all the time. Basketball, another great example. But it's probably most important with soccer because, you know, the, the, the amount of talent, especially with girls soccer in the state of Colorado is through the roof. It's It's not even comparable to football and basketball in a sense of, you know, and this is what Kevin pointed out in Fort Collins alone, just Fort Collins, not the metro area. They're sending like 10 to 15 players a year. D1. That's FOCO alone. I mean, that's like the entire state of Colorado for football. So th there is plenty of talent here, even if you're not landing the top five or six. What about prospects seven through 20? You know what I mean? Like that's how you that's how you win. And that's how you establish consistent success. Getting new facilities will definitely help. And that's another thing I talked about with Kevin, you know, when they finally complete that women's sports facility for softball and soccer, that should definitely help. But you got to keep some of these top players in state. Um, that's where I'm at. That's that's until they do that, they are not going to consistently win. It, it just it is what it is.
All right, let's let's get to that interview with Kevin. I think I've rambled on enough and I, you know, his opinion is really solid and just his perspective in general. He's a big soccer fan, covers, you know, prep soccer in northern Colorado, is a pro soccer fan. So I just thought it was good to get him on. And of course, he broke the story. Wow. Without further ado, that interview with Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado. You're looking nice and off-season scruffly. I'm digging. Yeah. Oh, big time. Haven't got a haircut in like six months. It's I mean, what's the point? We're not, we can't go anywhere anyways yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, you know, thanks for, for coming on and, and doing this, obviously, on, on short notice, but pretty significant news with CSU Women's Soccer announcing, well, actually, you, I think you reported it before they announced it, um, right, that, that Bill Hunton is out? Yep. Yeah. So got a um, a few messages from some sources uh, early this morning that uh, yeah, Bill Hempen was let go. Um, talked to the team yesterday. Bill did, uh, and then yeah, CSU announced that this morning. So so yeah, I mean obviously anytime a Division One you know coaching change happens, it, you know it's significant. Obviously soccer is not uh, you know the the number one sport at CSU, but it's a big soccer community in Colorado and. And again, it's a division one head coaching change, which are pretty rare. I definitely want to talk to you a little bit about like the, the no co soccer community and, and you seen in general, because it's, it's very popping in the state of Colorado and, and should be an asset for CSU. But I, I kind of want to, you know, how surprised I guess were you that this news happened just given that he was the Mountain West coach of the year in just 2019. And, you know, the program had kind of been on a rise, but then, you know, dipped again in 2020. Yeah, obviously, 2019 was you know, far and away the best uh, the, that program has ever been. Uh, but but there have been some some player complaints, player concerns over you know the program, and mm-hmm. I, you know I think that certainly plays a role because I use that. You're not going to fire a coach after a what they play seven games. I think they're two, four, and one this season. So you're not going to fire a coach because of a seven game weird spring season. So obviously, you know, you don't have to read in the tea leaves too much to know that's, you know, on field as well as off the field. It's both. I mean, obviously a program, as you said, 2019 is a really good year, uh, but they, they haven't fully, you know, they made steps, slow strides, but haven't ever made the huge leap, I guess, that, that you would maybe hope. Um, so I think it's one of those that's a combo of a number of things uh, that, that led to this. You know, I, I know you got to be careful with what you can say. And, and, you know, you're a man of integrity. I don't expect you to, like, come on here and just completely bash the dude. But, I, you know, you kind of brought it up. And it's been a thing that's been talked about from, from CSU fans before. The, you know, kind of rumors that have been was, you know, kind of, you know, maybe like a jerk. You know, I'm not saying he's Larry Stacy or anything like that. But, you know, there have been player complaints about the way that he treats his players and stuff. You, you think that was the, the, the bigger factor more than just the, the losing itself? Yeah, I definitely think that played into it. I mean, um, that's been looked at before within the athletic department. Um, you know, if you go back to his days at CU, you know, he resigned, I think, is officially what it was. But I actually went back to read the, the story from the Daily Camera again today just to refresh my memory. And it was pretty clear it was a, um, you know, 
you're going to resign type of thing. Uh, not, not necessarily his choice. So, you know, there, there have been some concerns and, you know, again, it's one of those, it's tough when you're not there day to day, to day because totally. when you have so many players going in and have a program, obviously not everyone's going to be happy. Some people are going to love it. I mean, we saw that even with, like you say, Larry Stacey, who obviously I think, you know, most people agree had some significant issues. There's some people that still, you know, adore him and, and love to him this to day. this day. So, so, you know, it's always hard, but yeah, I think there's no doubt that there were some players that weren't happy with, uh, you know, how the program was being run and, and how some of the things internally were, were handled. Now you obviously have a, a pretty good pulse on, on the soccer scene in general. You're, you're a big soccer fan, but you cover it really well for the Colorado and there's a lot of talent in Northern Colorado and the Denver Metro area as a whole. Why don't you think, you know, CSU has been able to, to bring in more of that talent. Do you think it maybe could be, you know, some of the things we're kind of talking about with Hempen here and just kind of, you know, maybe being crabby and, and not the best at building relationships with some of these, you know, young up-and-coming players? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think I have a, a kind of unique viewpoint of this from, you know, covering a lot of the high school side, you know, in Fort Collins itself. We, as a city, typically tend, send anywhere from 10 to 15, occasionally even more seniors a year to Division One programs, not just, you know, these aren't kids going playing in AIA. There's some of that as well, but yeah. you know, Division One and high level. I mean, Jalen Howell, who uh, her brother Jack is now on the football team. You know, she went to Fossil Ridge for a couple of years. Um, she's gunning for her second national championship at Florida State. Sophie Smith, uh, you know, played two years at Stanford, won a national title before going pro. You know, she may well be on the U.S. Olympic team. Now, are you going to get those kids to CSU? No, not. absolutely not. And and they shouldn't, you know, they should go to those top programs. But you have kids going to Kansas State and, uh, you know, Iowa State is a really popular one because they have a connection with Arsenal, Colorado. If you can keep some of those kids here, like that'd be huge. And then that's just talking Fort Collins. You know, we haven't even touched on, you know, the state as a whole. Uh, Colorado produces a ton of talent. So uh, to circle back to your question, why haven't they ended up here? And you have had some. I mean, obviously there are some Colorado kids on teams, some yeah. Colorado kids that have done very, very well for CSU. But you could also say, well, maybe there's some more that you should be keeping. Think a couple of things. Obviously, you know, Hempen's resume or, or I guess how he's viewed – you know, maybe that has some, but also you look at the facility and, and there isn't one, frankly, they play, you know, on an old football practice field. Now to the grounds crew credit, they've made that field immaculate. It's a great playing surface. You have no stands, you know, you have no locker rooms. You go back to Moby basically to, to change and everything, you know, it's like playing at a park basically, uh, you know, and that's a division one program. Obviously CSU has announced plans for a soccer softball complex, but they haven't really said when it will finish. They haven't broken ground. So it's one of those that is in the future and, you know, maybe you can start recruiting to it, but you, you kind of need some hard plans. They haven't even publicly shared renderings yet. So, so you kind of wonder where that's going to be. Cause I think that's going to be a big thing. You need to upgrade facilities. I know everyone says that in every college program across the country, but I mean, it's true. You have a soccer complex with no stands. You have a softball complex that they have games that they have to postpone because it gets dark. You know, you just need to improve that. And CSU knows that. That's why they've announced these plans. But I think that certainly plays a role of, you know, obviously CSU has so much to offer. It's a great place to live, great campus, great educational facility. Uh, but when you're a soccer player and you can go play in some of these really nice soccer specific stadiums, you know, in various college campuses or 
play out by the Aramiro field, you know, that can, that can swing a decision. Uh, for I mean, totally. Kids. There's, there's high schools in Colorado that have significantly like fancier facilities than they do from a, from a softball and soccer perspective. And it, it's definitely disheartening, especially, you know, when you think about like 2019 and the success that both of those programs had, and it's like, man, this is not a great look. We got a softball team playing on ESPN and they're, the commentators are bringing it up, like get these girls a stadium with some lights for goodness sake. Um, this, I, I know you probably don't have anything specific, but have you heard any rumors as far as the facility goes and you know, how delayed that may end up getting due to, to COVID and budgetary restrictions and all that? I haven't heard anything specific other than, you know, kind of on the back burner right now. Um, plan to talk to, to Joe Parker tomorrow, Friday uh, morning. We'll ask is it exactly that because obviously it's um, related to this coaching change. I mean, it's a factor in, in moving forward with the program. So we'll see. But yeah, I haven't heard any specifics as to where they're at. And, and like I said, I think that's important to find out because these coaches, um, I, again, I mean, we saw with football, you know, starting in what, you know, 2013, 2014, they started recruiting to the stadium like, hey, come here and you're going to play in this beauty. And so softball and soccer coaches will want to do the same. Be like, hey, it's not here yet, but by the time you're uh, whatever, sophomore or whatever it's going to be, you'll be playing in this. And you show them the pretty picture and the renderings and, and all that jazz. And all of a sudden, everyone's all excited about it. So, so, yeah, I mean, whenever that does start moving, the good thing is, obviously it's a less significant project than Canvas Stadium. So it doesn't totally. take as long to build. So that's a good thing. And yeah, I'm saying that they haven't put shovels in the ground, but time from shovels in the ground to done should be quicker than for a fo- huge football stadium. All right, we will get back to the pod in just a second. But first, a quick word from our partners, starting with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Guys, the hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, the grow in excitement and anticipation. This weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring on Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of that action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings is giving you 55 to 1 odds on either main fighter. That's what it means. All you got to do, bet $1 on either fighter. If they win, you cash $55. It's that simple. Plus, we've got basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner. DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. My Nikola Jokic for MVP bet is hopefully going to cash here in a couple of weeks. Hell yes. Great time to get on there. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, 55 to 1 odds for all new users when you sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook. Just make sure you use that code DNVR at sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions to apply, see DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. Also want to shout out Solace Meds, our newest partner. We've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has six locations, four in Colorado, two in Oklahoma. They have one location in Fort Collins, which is perfect for all you CSU fans. Got another in Wheat Ridge, 
one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. So whether you're in NoCo, the metro area, you know, North Jeffco, or Oklahoma randomly, you know, there are great options for you. Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's a, you know, a few to look forward to. Cinco de Mayo, buy three, get one free on the entire store, plus an additional 20% off when using DNVR20 at checkout. For Mother's Day, you can buy three, get one free of the entire store. For Memorial Day, it's the same deal. They got 20% off of all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off of Mile High Extractions, that's 1,000 milligram cartridges, 20% off CBD gummies, two for 25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars, 15% off three grams of Connoisseur Concentrates. If you don't, you know, use these products, that probably sounds like a lot of jibber jabber. But the point is they have got a ton of variety, whether you're using herb itself, concentrates, edibles, all of those fun stuff, CBD, they have got it all. Remember all of these amazing deals you can take advantage of and get the additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20. Check out Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head to their website, view their menu, order online and pick up at your convenience. Just head to solasemeds.com. Purchase from there, make sure you use that code DNVR20 to save 20% off your order. Guys, that's that can be pretty big, you know, when we're talking about triple digit purchases, 20% off your order is hella clutch. Shout out to Solace Meds. Just kind of like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning and the state of Colorado and all the talent. I mean, this should be a really attractive job, shouldn't it? Given that you have new facilities in the works, at least, you know, I know, you know, we just, as we laid out, it's, it's not going yet, but we're heading there. There's plenty of talent. It's a great city. I mean, there's not a ton of competition in the Mountain West. I mean, this, this really could be a program that dominates much like the way volleyball does. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a league you can win. And yeah, you look at CSU's you know, Olympic sports, so to speak. And they're pretty good across the board. Obviously, volleyball generally is really good. Track is always really good. Softball has been a little up and down, but as you mentioned, they've had their good years. So yeah, you have ability to kind of join that. Um, and with a huge recruiting base right here, I mean, you can build a soccer team off of Colorado and California, and there's more than enough talent to go around. Like I said, your top kids that are, you know, maybe national teamers in the future, they're not going to come to CSU most likely just like, you know, if Trevor Lawrence grew up in Fort Collins, he probably wouldn't go to CSU either, but, but you have enough that you can really build a base. And yeah, I would think it's an attractive job. I and mean, I would need to look at salary, you know, comparisons around yeah. the country, but Bill Hempen was making, you know, just over 90,000, which um, seems like that would be fairly competitive within, uh, you know, this level. I'm not saying that's what North Carolina's coach is making, but, uh, but I would think that's, you know, fairly solid, obviously, living in Fort Collins. Again, if you have that facility truly, you know, in the works and being built, um, there's a lot of good, of good there. So, so I'll be interested to see where they go with this hire um, and who they, who they get because, yeah, I don't see any reason why this program couldn't be pretty successful. I'm definitely intrigued. You know, thank you for, for going over all that with me. You obviously just have a better pulse you know of the soccer beat as a whole with with your background and, and everything that you guys cover before i let you go i uh, just briefly just a little football talk um csu they announced another power five game obviously they've got the indiana game coming up in 2026 i believe and then moving wisconsin to 2027 
Are you surprised that CSU is still able to get these high-profile games given the lack of success over the last couple of seasons? It's a good question. It's, it's always funky how teams look at it. Like, for, from CSU's perspective, like, one, most importantly, to be frank, it's a big budget boon. I mean, that all these games are well over a million dollars. That's great for the university. Uh, as far as teams playing them, I think it's still – you're playing a – Mountain West team, kind of mid-tier. Like, a lot of teams probably don't want to play Boise, for instance, because that's too risky. You could lose them. But, you know, CSU, you beat them. It's a mid-tier Mountain West team, and it's a fine win. Um, it's not too risky for you, but it's also not playing, you know, Southwest Southern Tech Central yeah. University. Um, so I think that that's kind of where it falls. And, again, the you know, projecting these so far out in 2026, this is absurd still. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I think they look at at, you know CSU as a whole and what you know the facilities, you know what's being put in the program. Say, well, there's no reason this shouldn't be a decent program. Um, So so it's a a fine fit. Let's play it. But but I, it's always weird. I I don't understand college football scheduling why it needs to be done so far out. Generally, I think it's good for CSU um, financially, certainly. And I like ones like Indiana, Texas Tech, Arizona, some of these ones that they have on the schedule because they're games that you can maybe win as well. Like, sure, they're good um, marketing-wise. You know, playing at Alabama, is that cool? Yeah. But for for the actual football program, is it good? Mm, I'm not sure. You're just going to get – I'm sure if somehow you're going to win, but most likely you're not. You know, going to Michigan – well, maybe I shouldn't say Michigan because they're pretty – you know, shady we'll right now. still there. Yeah, right? yeah. But, I mean, you know, some of those big ones, it's like, okay, it's a cool financial boon and I guess cool for the players maybe and their families, but is it really good for the program? You can argue both ways. Um, but these ones where you're playing kind of these mid-tier power fives, I love it. I think it's good for fans. It's winnable games that could really do you some marketing good of like, hey, you know, say you beat Vanderbilt, you beat – uh, you know, Arizona, you beat Texas Tech, then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, we have, you know, X, you know, three power five wins in the last three years or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, that's really good. So um, there's good and bad on, on every side of it. Um, and I think, I guess, in a lot of ways, it's cool for fans. So, I, so that's a positive. You know, these are some pretty fun trips that CSU has scheduled. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because it is a slightly different perspective than when you're scheduling for basketball. For instance, you know, like when we talked about that Duke game and we're saying it's essentially a win-win, like you, nobody expects you to win. If you go in and you're relatively competitive, everybody's super impressed, but it's not like the loss hurts you from a metric standpoint. There's so many more games. So you have time to make it up. It's not going to a loss to Duke. Isn't what's going to cost you, you know, an NCAA tournament appearance. But, you know, with college football and, you know, the how slim your margin of error is, like, if you're a borderline 500 team getting blown out by a Power 5 program, you know, that could be what keeps you from making a bowl game. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the difference in the, the sports, really. I mean, basketball is sort of open to everyone, so to speak. If you're really good, you can be really good. Whereas in football, it's kind of a closed closed system, closed championship. And again, just you have 12 games in football, you have 32 or whatever in basketball. So it's a lot easier to throw one away, so to speak. You know, not that that's not the right term, but it's easier to do that in basketball or football. And then, you know, there are, you know, health and physical, you know, concerns. I mean, Mike Bobla, I remember him saying to us when they had, I think that was um, maybe the year they played Arkansas and Florida within a span of a couple of weeks. 
he basically was saying, you know, I hope, I hope we're, we're still walking when we get out of this and, and you know, somewhat tongue in cheek, but not totally. And, you know, that's a legitimate concern just because the, you know, a group of five team has a lot less depth than a power five team. So, you know, I mean, Toby McBride got hurt against Alabama and, uh, you know, obviously that was significant for years, really. Uh, so, so you have to take that into account as well. Whereas basketball, and yeah, obviously an injury can happen. It's less you're no more likely to get hurt playing Duke than you are playing Savannah State. I remember before CSU went to Alabama in 2013. I think it was I think his name was Robbie Zell. He like he was on the CSU football staff, came over from Alabama actually. And I just kind of asked him point blank. I was like, when you're a Mountain West program going against an SEC team, you know what position most scares you? Is it like the quarterback getting killed by a D lineman? He's like, honestly. It's our linebackers getting straight run over by their running backs because their <laughs> running backs are just so insanely massive. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a different world, that's for sure. I mean we've seen that time and time again. CSU, you know, we'll have every year, you know, a couple guys that are you know SEC quality, um, but not a whole roster of them. And and obviously those teams have your SEC quality and then your NFL stars of like literally tomorrow. <laughs> The, uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you is more just kind of your opinion, but there's some rumors circulating that Boise State and San Diego State are going to make a push for the American Conference. And I have no idea if there's any validity to this whatsoever. It's just some college. I, it's a, he's based out of Minnesota. I'm trying to blank on his ad on Twitter. He's been wrong about this multiple times in the past. I will add that. I, is the is the AAC a better deal for some of these top teams like Boise State, CSU, San Diego State? Would they would they be smart to ditch the Mountain West? And do you think that it could be more realistic after you know how the whole basketball season played out and that whole wonky deal? Boise State's supposedly been you know pissed off about the money and football for a while. I guess do you think that there's any chance that could happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a slightly better deal right now because, you know, whether you like it or not, the that conference has kind of built themselves as, I hate the phrase power six, but they have kind of built themselves into that. Uh, the TV money, I believe, reflects that. So in that way, it is obviously travel and all that. Geography gets a little wonky, especially if you're talking San Diego State. It gets real wonky. Um, you know, I saw BJ Reigns, who covers Boise State, um, he pretty much dismissed those rumors yesterday said nothing's imminent you know nothing's happening um and you know and obviously people on the ground in boise generally would know i mean i think change is happening and will happen i don't know if it's going to be that but i think in you know five years to put a, a long timeline on it but i think less we're going to see significant change in college um sports uh, in a lot of ways, but I think in, in, you know, alignment is going to be one of those. It feels like it's been coming. Some of the things that have happened last year or two suggest even more, but especially, you know, COVID football <laughs> decisions and things, you know, surrounding that. So I feel like we're going to get changed. I don't know if it'll be that specifically, but um, I think any, I've said this, you know, on a variety of places, if you're a AD and a president of one of these, you know, a CSU, a Boise, one of these G5 schools, you better have all doors open, have a lot of conversations, have wheels turning, because if you're just sitting there idle waiting to see what happens, you may end up left behind and uh, in a in a bad place, you know, in a couple of years, if ever, you know, because as we've seen, these things fly. There's nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing, then boom, it all happens. So, so you got to be ready to jump. 
Um, so I think change is happening. Do I think, you know, Boise and San Diego State are going to be in the AAC tomorrow? No. But I do think sooner or later we're going to see some shuffling of, of you know, conference alignments in college sports. Just kind of on that same note, how critical should CSU fans be of CSU that they haven't really raised their athletic profile over the last half decade since some of this expansion talk started to begin and haven't really, you know, just, I guess, built off the, the new facility. And I, obviously it's super complex. Like there's a million reasons that teams don't win, but I mean, I, I feel like it's at least fair to be critical of them and say they've kind of, they kind of screwed the pooch here. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's super complex. And, you know, on the one hand, obviously they have, done things to try you know I mean Tony Frank went to to Texas to try and pitch the Big 12 so it's not like they were just sitting there obviously a facilities themselves and, and you know just commitment as far as salaries and all those things have increased over the last several you know many years as part of that but yeah you you know you kind of had a chance you know with the stadium opening and things like that to really grab some attention and you missed it. I mean, uh, obviously, it's like you say, it's very hard to win. There are a lot of reasons why CSU hasn't won over the last several years, and especially football. But that also somewhat matters. I mean, it, you had a, a big chance and, and sort of missed it. Does that mean that you've completely missed the boat? No, not at all. I mean, you know, there are some people that'll say, well, you know, this losing season keeps us from, you know, being part of whatever Big 12 expansion. It's like, no, the Big 12 isn't. You know, if CSU rips off a 12-0 and 0 this year, that's not going to make them be like, oh, gosh, we better have them. And if they go 0-12, it's not going to be, well, they can never move conferences because no one will ever want them. You know, the, the one-year viewpoint is is too narrow. But, but yeah, big picture, yeah, you need to have some success and be attractive. And CSU's done a lot of the off, you know, off-field, off-court things to do that, but haven't fully completed that um you know on the court on the field whatever and and so yeah it's a complicated issue but i think some missed opportunities have been there but most likely there will be more and try and try and jump on that ship as it cruises by you we can only hope man i mean it'd be good for all of us if, if csu got into a power conference just from like a national relevance and, and an interest standpoint people would obviously be excited but we shall see i think it's I think it's a lot more complicated than just wins and losses, given that it's, you know, like exactly. university presidents. I think your academic profile matters way more than a lot, a lot of people want to consider, like TV markets, campus size, all that stuff. Yeah, um, I mean, that you know, we could talk about TV market itself for an hour, you know. Some people yeah. claim, oh, CSU would have the Denver market. Other people say, no, they don't. They don't have the Denver market at all. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all complicated and, and yeah that doesn't even touch on just various relationships between presidents and things like that, that maybe shouldn't play a factor, but <laughs> I mean, they do like it or not. These things, these things all matter and it's, they all, you know, go together and it's, you know, sort of impossible to follow all the different threads. All right. I promise I'm going to let you go. Cause we've already gone longer than I asked you. Come on. But just real quick. I've been talking about basketball a lot lately, just given that, you know, there's going to be some staff changes. It's going to look a little different for CSU men's hoops for the first time in a couple of years. Were, how surprised were you with this whole Talvin Hester situation? And, and have you heard anything as far as like, you know, was like, were, were CSU, were they pretty upset that he kind of did that to them? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
surprised in a way just because you don't expect a coach to be announced and then less than two weeks later be gone. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, got a job back in Texas where all his roots are. Obviously, it makes a ton life. of sense from yeah. So it's not shocking. It's not shocking. I think it is more just a reflection of really college basketball right now. I mean, you transfer portal and and you know the coach side is is pretty similar. So yeah, I was surprised in a way, uh, but not. Um, there's not much that shocks me more with those. So, so yeah, I, I don't know if CSU, you know, what level of upset they were. Obviously, obviously they couldn't have been thrilled. But yeah, Nico Medved, generally speaking, says, "Hey, want you to have a successful career." You know, with his assistance, while you know, while Talvin Hester was his assistant for oh, about ten days. You know, I'm guessing he doesn't fully begrudge him for going for an opportunity that he thought was good. Is he thrilled that he agreed to come and then was here for 10 days? You know, no, I'm sure. Like, uh, that's again, that's not like reading real deep in the TV yeah, or anything, but seems logical to assume. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very funky. And, you know, I know there are some people that are kind of worried about that, you know, the what's going to happen with the program. Big picture, I'd say it's like, yeah, Dave Thorson, great coach, bummer to lose him. Jared Blount, great coach, tough to lose him. But also, this is incredible incredibly attractive position i mean again for collins as we've talked about the program's in great shape uh and nico medved obviously has a uh, you know sort of a resume so to speak of someone that is good to work for so i think medved has spent as much time over the last two months you know telling people like i'll call you you don't call me you know i don't need you to call me uh so there are plenty of people um that want that job i know you know any head coach has sort of a plan in place because you always know you might lose assistance. So I think you'll end up fine. Sometimes new blood can be good, you know, a new challenge for players, but obviously it is significant change to lose two really, really good assistants in the off season. Um, so uh, there'll maybe be some growing pains if you will, but I also am pretty confident that the program's going to continue its trajectory. I think you hit the nail right on the head. And like at the end of the day, like you said, losing good coaches, thats not, there's always going to be a negative impact there. Hopefully you can replace them with as good or close to as good of coaches that can develop those relationships and all that. More than anything, though, in, in this era of, of modern movement, the fact that, at least as of right now, you know, it seems like P.J. Bird is the only player that they're, they're going to lose. That's, like, more significant to me than anything. Just you look around the country, basically every team out there is losing three, four guys in offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a Mount West transfer tracker, uh, you know, that I'm keeping update on our website. You just scroll through every team, you know, it's four guys gone, five guys gone. You get down to UNLV and it's 10 guys gone. Uh, you know, in CSU, it's one in, one out right now, which, you know, um, is about, I think, as, as little movement as you're going to see pretty much anywhere in college basketball now, um, especially with the one-time transfer rule passing. It's just... Um, gonna be a thing like if you expect teams to have the same 13 guys for three four years that's just not gonna happen now it's about trying to keep that core and obviously CSU has a great core so if they can keep those guys for three four years and then kind of just fill in around as needed you're gonna be in good shape but but college basketball has changed significantly in the last even five years and and that's you know that's just gonna be the way it is the wild wild west out there but it's entertaining i'm not gonna be one of those guys that's like oh this is killing the game whatever i mean the two highest watched sporting events this spring were still the ncaa tournament games so people are are still interested yep it's still really good ball and and while it is 
I guess sometimes frustrating, you know, to have to relearn a new team every year. I mean, for instance, when CSU plays UNLV, you know, we're going to have to do some studying to figure out who everyone is. But on the flip side, as we talked about with Hester, coaches have been able to do this forever with no exactly. punishment. So why shouldn't players? I mean, they're the, without players, there's <laughs> you mentioned those games and the ratings. There's no one watching those. They're not turning it on to watch Nico Medved. You know, no offense, Nico. They're not, you know, and he, he knows that. Coaches know that. So I, I, I'm an advocate for player rights. Um, I think the market will probably settle. You know, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but over the next year or two, I think you maybe will see a small stabilization because, yeah, right now it's just like crazy. It's like, oh, you know, the grass is greener and always you're always going to have some of that. But I think there might be a little bit in a year or two of people being like, okay, like maybe you don't always have to go, you know, to three schools over your college career. That's the thing now. You get some of these guys that literally play at like four schools in five years and it's, it's, an, yeah. All the power to you. That seems really stressful to me, but I just hate moving. So yeah, I was gonna say I couldn't do that, but I'm also not being recruited to be a Division One college basketball player, and never was, for the record. Just in case anyone's wondering, <laughs> we uh, we are not getting picked first in any pickup games. We'll just say that. Not at all. Well, Kev, thank you for coming on and talking about all this with me. It's always good to get your perspective. Always good to catch up and. I'm looking forward to seeing you in person again, you know, pretty soon. It's, I see yeah, you well, guys so little now. It's so weird. Yeah, I'm sick of seeing everyone on Zoom calls. We're all sick of seeing everyone on Zoom calls. So maybe actually in real life sometime. Sounds neat. Sounds neat. I, I was kind of a anti-social in the pre-pandemic world. <laughs> I think it's going to bring the, the social butterfly out of me. It's, it's taught you what could be. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on and make sure you're checking out all of Kevin's work at the Colorado and as well as my guy, Kelly Lyle, uh, Kelly Lyle, I almost combined your names. They do awesome work. They cover all the prep stuff in FOCO, all the CSU stuff as well. Support your local newspapers. Very, very important stuff. Kev, take care, my guy. Thanks for having me. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be